Hey, it's good to see you today. Welcome to our Journey Through Scripture. My name is Philip Thomas, pastor of Journey here in Elgin, Texas. And then we are continuing our chronological walk uh, through the Bible. We are in the New Testament and the Gospels. So today we're going to be looking at um, Matthew 14, um, Mark 6, Luke 9, and John 6. All right, so this is a, a important part uh, of... Uh, of the ministry as it's moving forward, you know everything is uh, obviously moving towards um, the the crucifixion, and we're going through the different ministry path that Jesus took. All the different gospels kind of take a, a little bit different um, perspective, but but all of them uh, are are saying the same things, and the the theology is the same throughout. But uh, we see um, a few. We're going to hit one story that is. Uh, the same in all of the Gospels, uh, other than the crucifixion. It's the only um, miracle that is shared in all four Gospels. Um, but it, but we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 14 with John the Baptist uh, being beheaded. So you're going to have Matthew 14, 1 through 12, Mark 6, 14 through 29, um, Luke 3, um, and then Luke uh, 9, uh, 7 through 9. Um, our talk about uh, John the Baptist um, and and Herod and his relationship with Jesus. So so basically, these are kind of being uh, written uh, as uh, Herod is hearing about Jesus, and he's thinking that maybe Jesus is uh, John the Baptist come back to life. So we get to hear the backstory of what Herod did to John the Baptist. And basically what had happened, remember John the Baptist was going to prepare the way for Jesus. He was a, a, a preacher. He had disciples, had followers. Um, he was known by the Romans. Uh, he obviously was known by Herod. Um, and Herod did not like him. And the reason was is because Herod decided that he wanted um, to divorce his wife and marry his brother's wife. Um, which was uh, highly illegal. It was actually considered to be incestuous. Um, and John called Herod out on this. And so therefore he was uh, thrown into prison. Um, and so John is in prison for uh, many, for, for a while. In fact, whenever Jesus's ministry gets, really gets started, John is in prison um, and he's hearing things about what's going on. And remember, uh, I think it was Andrew um, talks to uh, John the Baptist while he's in prison and tells him about what Jesus is doing. And, and then, then we have uh, Herod, who is now married to his brother's wife, um, and she kind of performs, and I'm sure there was lots of alcohol involved. And Herod says, ah, whatever you want, up to half the kingdom, it be yours. Um, this uh, lady, uh, Herodias's daughter, Herodias, goes to her mom and says, "Who? What should uh, I ask for?" And she says, "Ask for John the Baptist's head." And Herod obliges. Um, the each uh, account actually say that that Herod didn't necessarily want to do that, but he made the vow and promised, so he he, he didn't didn't take time in, in getting it done. And so John the Baptist is martyred uh, for um, for his his belief and his calling out uh, the king um, or the tetrarch. He wasn't technically the king because remember Rome uh, ran everything, but Herod did have 
uh, influence and power uh, there in in Israel. And I, I think this is interesting. And one thing that it does show us and, and teach us um, is that there are there are times to call out uh, the the powerful, um, even if it um, comes with a cost. Um, John is willing to speak out to King Herod and to call his behavior immoral. Uh, even though he had, the, as a king, he could do whatever he wanted. Um, he had the power to do that. But John definitely recognized what he was doing was immoral and unethical, and he called him out, and it cost him his head. Um, but uh, So that, that's uh, important. I encourage you to read those different um, versions. But uh, after that, uh, the Gospels then move from that to the miracle that is recorded in all of the Gospels, and that's the feeding of the 5,000. And I find this, this interesting. Uh, so Matthew chapter 14, uh, just after in verse 13, so we've just heard about uh, John's uh, beheading, and now that word is getting to Jesus. And it says, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place to be by himself. But when the multitudes heard, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus saw the multitude, um, he was moved with compassion and he healed their sick. So Jesus goes, he's kind of is, is wanting to, to be quiet. He's just heard, of course, that his cousin uh, has been beheaded, um, but he's overwhelmed with people. He has compassion on them, begins healing um, and teaching. And it starts getting late in the evening. You know the story. Uh, this is very similar in, in all four different accounts. Um, basically they say, Hey, Jesus, everybody's getting hungry. Why don't you just let them go, um, to find food for themselves? And Jesus says, well, what, uh, why don't y'all go get something to eat? We will feed them. And, um, <laughs> Philip says, uh, it will take 200 denarii worth of bread to give them something to eat. Um, and so it, they just knew there's no way this can happen. Um, but Jesus just asked, how many loaves do you have? How many fish? And there was five loaves, two fish. Um, and they started handing it out and it just feeds everyone. And then there's 12 baskets full, uh, at the end, just a, a truly amazing, um, uh, miracle. And you, you can imagine, um, how the disciples responded to this as they are seeing, uh, all of this uh, go. In fact, in John chapter six, um, in verse 15, it says, therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about, oh, excuse me, says, therefore, they gathered up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from, uh, uh, from the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. So not only are the disciples amazed by this, the people are starting to see, wow, this is a sign. Look at what Jesus has done. He has fed us. He has filled our bellies. And they became very excited. And this next uh, verse 15 uh, there of John 6 says, Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. So that's that's kind of interesting, right? He he recognizes what the people are doing and that they are going to be coming after him. Uh, they are so excited that this guy gave them something to eat. And I, I think there's a couple reasons that Jesus doesn't want this to happen. One, it's not the right time. Two, they don't understand the type of king he is going to be, right? They, they 
still have an idea that he is an earthly king, a king who will fill their bellies. Um, but that is not who Jesus was. Uh, he was a, a much bigger king than that. The picture is, is much, much bigger than just uh, feeding a meal. Uh, as powerful as this miracle clearly was, as all gospels, all the gospels share it. Uh, but then they, they continue on. And um, you have uh, Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22 through 33. Now you have the uh, miracle of Jesus walking on water, which is found in Matthew 14, Mark 6, 45 through 52, and John 6, 16 through 21. So basically, Jesus sends the disciples on their way, um, and the the waters kind of get um, stormy. It doesn't. It's, it's not like it's a a huge storm, but uh, but it's definitely not not comfortable. And then the disciples uh, look out, and who do they see? But they see Jesus. And Matthew has the account of Peter. Um, actually getting out of the boat. So whenever, this is in verse 25, now the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went with it, went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, uh, saying, is it a ghost? And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered, said, if it is you, Lord, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had gone out of the boat, he walked on the water to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out saying, Lord, save me. Um, and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him, said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Um, it, then those who were there in the boat came and worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. Right, this is a, a, a Pivotal point. The, the disciples are seeing Jesus um, in a powerful way. Remember, um, it, uh, James, John, and Peter, James, and John have already seen Jesus bring a little girl from the dead. Um, and now um, the other disciples are seeing him walk on water, do the feeding of the 5,000. Um, this group is getting to become very confident uh, that Jesus truly is the Son of God. Mark 6, 45 through 52, um, Jesus uh, again walks on, on water. Um, it says, verse 51, uh, Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. For they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. Right? So they, they hadn't fully understood um, by seeing that miracle. But now with this miracle, um, things are starting to change. Um, John chapter 6, 16 through 21, um, also uh, talks about uh, uh, what, what Jesus uh, walking on on water. Then we move into, again, we'll be in Matthew 14 um, that, uh, and Mark 6, excuse me, Mark 6, 53 through, through 56, both talk about how they go across and people recognize that Jesus there. Things are, are picking up. People, he is known now all around the area, not just in Galilee, not just in Capernaum, but the, the message is now spreading from town to town and things are starting to change. It's great, you know, more and more people, um, but you can also feel the tension building. And that, uh, I encourage you to read John chapter 6, verses 22 through 71. 
And Jesus starts talking about making this transition that, hey, I'm not here just to fill your bellies with bread and fish. Um, there's something more uh, about who I am. And in verse 26 of John chapter 6, says, Jesus answered them and said, Most surely I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Um, and then they, they say, what shall we do when we, make, uh, when we may work the works of God, that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered, said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. So he's, he's, Jesus is being very simple. Here's what you need to do. You need to start believing in him, in me. And he fleshes that out a little bit more. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never be hungry. He who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, yet you do not believe. All the Father gives me will come to me, and, and to the one who comes to me I will uh, by, by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life and I will raise him up in the last day. So just is saying, listen, again, it's not about all these wonderful miracles and healing. That's, that's part of it. Those are signs that I am who I truly say I am, that I am the Son of God. But it's, it's much more than that. I am here so that you will believe and have eternal life. Um, then we, we see another rejection. The people start hearing that kind of stuff. They, it, it's easy to like someone when they're giving you plenty to eat and when they're uh, you know, uh, healing people. But when they start giving some of these uh, spiritual truths that you're a little uncomfortable with, um, it, it becomes a little, little more challenging. And so kind of Jesus runs into the same thing that he's experienced before. Hey, isn't this just the guy uh, from Nazareth? Um, and uh, so there's uh, arguing. Um, how can this guy give us flesh to eat, right? He compared his flesh to, to bread. Uh, verse 53, then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, um, I say to you, you who eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, uh, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh, drinks my blood, has eternal life and will raise him up the last day. For my flesh and, uh, is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. For he who, uh, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father. So he feeds on me, will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So again, this is going to be hard for them to understand. It's hard for us to understand, but Jesus is clearly talking about a spiritual thing here because they love the sign of manna, of getting to eat manna, physical bread. Um, but Jesus makes the point, yes, that was a wonderful sign, but guess what? All of those people are dead that died. What I'm talking about is something that lives forever, um, that you feed on my spirit, right? The, the, the body and blood of Christ, the spirit of God who brings salvation, the spirit of God who offers forgiveness through repentance, um, that, that that is what we should be uh, feasting on, not just 
the bread. Um, and so Jesus says this, and this is definitely a hard teaching, especially from back then. Uh, verse 60 says, therefore, many of the disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? And so what, what started to be happen is you had Jesus's teaching start to change a little bit, start to be a little bit more uncomfortable. And people who were his disciples, who followed him around, um, these aren't just people in the crowd, but actual followers began to push back and many stopped following Jesus. Um, verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Right? So there's a separation here. There are the people that were there for the cool stuff. And whenever things were fun and exciting and felt really good. Uh, but once it gets a little tough, um, not everyone's going to follow. And uh, there's some a pretty valuable lesson here. Uh, sometimes we focus on uh, the, the emotional things and the things that make us feel good about being a Christian. We focus on the teachings that make us feel good. Uh, but what about those that are uncomfortable? Are we going to be like the disciples who walk away when it gets hard? Or are we going to be like Peter and the 12 who said, we, we, we don't fully understand it. We don't under, uh, know exactly where this is going. Yeah, it may be hard, but you know what? You are the son of God. You are the Christ. And we're going to follow you and trust you even if we don't fully understand everything. And even if right now it doesn't feel good making this decision to follow you. And then Jesus, of course, says, but there will be one of you um, who is not following me for the right purposes. Um, all right, so let's, let's stop there. Um, on Thursday, let's look at Matthew chapter 15, and then like the first 10, 15 verses of chapter 16, and then Mark 7 and 8. So Mark chapter 7 and 8, and Matthew chapter 15, and then the first part of chapter 16. All right, we'll see you on Thursday.